We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Crazy and the King. Um, you know, I was actually sitting back this week. Well, when I say this week, part of last week in this week, and and I asked myself a question, and I'm actually going to ask the question out loud to you. And I want to see what your response is, because I didn't really have a response. And here was the question. The question, Jay, was why do people listen to Crazy and the King? Are they listening to Crazy and the King because we are doing a great job of recapping or perhaps introducing them to stories that really did miss their radar? Are they listening because they want our take on those stories? Are they listening because they are looking to us, listening from us, ways to be better around diversity and inclusion? Why are people listening? To crazy and the king. That was my question like last week and part of this week. What what would you say to that? I mean, I feel like I guess that's something that we should know. Um, I mean, from from what I hear, it's it's kind of an all of the above, right? They they like it when we do the history and tie the history together like we did last week. Um, I think they like that we have different views. Um than a lot of what they're hearing out in the DEIB space. Uh, we help them to understand where DEIB and inequity and all of those things exist in places they haven't seen them before. Um, and I think that they just think we're really fucking cool, so they listen to us. Yeah, that um, that was like, you know, it was one of those things that I pondered. And, and I bond- pondered it in a way where I didn't feel like I needed to have a concrete answer. Uh, because to your point, I said, I think, I think that they like our take, you know, our honest observation on some of these subjects and, and whatnot. I, I felt like that was sort of the, the premier reason for them listening. But then the critical side of me was asking in the sense of, should we be doing more of something? Should we be developing more of a show that is a learning and development show or a training centric show? Or so the critical side of me was also kind of there, kind of like, you know, two people, you know, one person on each shoulder type thing. Um, but again, I walked away not necessarily answering it. I just thought that I would share that with you because, you know, I like the way that we do the show, but. It's not so much or it's not only about my liking it, your liking it. It really is about their liking it. And so if you are out there listening and you're new to Crazy and the King, I'd love for you to maybe go back, go to crazyandtheking.com 
or to um, places where you you uh, consume your podcast content. And I'd love for you to just kind of dot through. Don't don't do it sequentially, but dot through some of the listens. You know, grab some from 2022, grab a couple more from 2021, and then just grab one, just one from like 2019. Uh, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, 2019, you know, just grab one from 2019 so you can really see how far Julie and I have come in terms of content and conversation and personality and all of those things. Good to be with you another week. How you feel? Yes, yes. Um, good. Um, home from Portugal now for a few weeks. Um, so a little bummed about that. Arm is healing up. Um, things are busy. Things are good. And, and we'll be headed to Brussels in a few weeks for um, a HR Congress with House of HR. So, you know, not, not let, letting any uh, grass grow under my feet. Well, I'm feeling good. The pollen is in the air. Um you know, you got all kinds of little leaves and whatnot flying around. I'm still wearing hoodies because, like, for whatever reason, we just can't seem to get it all the way right here in Baltimore. Like, literally, I went running last weekend, and I'm outside in, you know, what I consider to be long sleeve sweat gear, and I'm like, it's freezing out this joint. You know, and you 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 don't want to stop your run and workout. Because you cold. I mean, like, I mean, how how does that work when you just say, well, I didn't work out because I was cold? You know, you just you don't feel like you really are accomplishing anything. But but I hope that I hope that by the end of this week, we are full blown spring uh, and we can begin to enjoy. We got some events coming up, which we'll talk about down in our um, before or what you need to know before we end the show. Well, that's not really what it's called, but actually, I kind of like that. What you need to know before we end the show. Say that again. Acronym. What you need to know before, before we end, we the, end show. the show. Love that. Could be a well, thing. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now what you need to know is that the ladies are running this joint. Um, the headline said, "All female newsroom launched in Somalia to widen." the media's scope. You don't even need to read the story to get a sense of the value and the shift in narrative that's going to take place when you say it's an all-women room of reporters, journalists, commentators, all women that are going to focus on stories that are not necessarily told through their perspective in Somalia. I mean, I just smiled. I said, this is absolutely beautiful, period. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a big, it would be a big deal in the U.S. if we had an all-female news team, right? But let alone in, in a very, very conservative society like Somalia, um, where issues like rape, sexual assault, and our health needs as women um, are often ignored, if if not um, sometimes accepted. Um, so I think this is phenomenal. Um, so it's what a team of six uh, will produce the content for TV, radio, um, online. Um, where they're going to talk about gender-based violence, women in politics, um, lift up those female entrepreneurs. I love it. 
Yeah, let me tell you, uh, I actually went out, the editor-in-chief, her name is Nasrin Muhammad Ibrahim. Nasrin, that's N-A-S-R-I-N, Nasrin Muhammad Ibrahim. And I actually went and tried to pull some clips. I think I spent 40 minutes just popping through clips on YouTube, on Facebook, found a couple on Twitter. But unfortunately, we wouldn't have understood her. Yeah. I, I mean, we could have played them. She was speaking in her natural language. We could have played them. And for our audience and listeners that understand the language, they would have been like, it would have been a surprise because I don't think we've played, you know, clips, but it was beautiful. I mean, just listening to the dialect, listen to her intensity. And it's one of those things where, you know, as I was listening, the only reason I did it for 40 minutes, because I knew after 10 that none of what she was going to say was going to be in English. I knew that after like five or 10 minutes, but I kept listening, Jay, because I always say to you, I, what I love most about doing DNI work is trying to insert myself into other cultures, other communities and learning. And so I just took it in. I was listening to take it in and watch the facial expression, watch the body language, watch her, um, a, uh, what do you call it? Emotive, if you will, just how intense was she? How interested, how alluring or, or, uh, inviting. That's the word that I'm looking for. Was she with the person that she was talking to around whatever the subject was? Because again, I couldn't understand her, <laughs> but I said, she is going to build a powerhouse team. And when you think about, uh, I actually went out and did some, Googling of stats around gender, uh, gender-based violence. And I didn't want to sensationalize just that one aspect. So rather than kind of pull those numbers in and paint a negative story about the Somalians or about their country or their community, I said, I don't really have the, the, um, the bandwidth to properly pull data in on all of that, like gender-based violence, women in politics in Somalia, women entrepreneurs and founders in Somalia, health issues in Somalia. I didn't get a chance to really do all of that. So I said, I'm just going to kind of escape that. But if you're out there listening and you go to the UN's website and perhaps some of the others out there and you just start playing around, you know, putting in some of those uh, fragments of the sentence around some of the subject matter that those six women, and I'm sure the team is going to quickly grow and it's going to quickly grow because they're not in it for money. That, that's one of the things that they said in the story. They're not doing this because they want to make money. They're doing it because they want to amplify and raise their voice. And they want to shift the narrative around how stories are told about Somalian women. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible. Uh, I'm really curious um, to your thoughts on this next story. So the attorney general of six states are urging the NFL to improve conditions for its female employees or face a broad investigation, according to a letter sent to NFL commissioner, our favorite, Roger Goodell, uh, Tuesday of this week. Okay, so I'm going to need some help from you. When you say I'm a little curious, curious about what? Because you know how I feel about the NFL. Um, And I feel like so much of what the NFL does is performative. It's topical Mm -hmm. in nature. They're not willing to really get in and disrupt the relationship that um, that they have with the owners and or disrupt the power structure that the owners have over the league. 
I don't think that they're really serious about doing that, fragmenting that. So when you say you're curious, curious about what? So, and I'm going to dare to just sound a bit insensitive. So bear with me as I say this out loud for the first time. Okay. So, so the letter, it's, it's about, you know, female, female staffers, how they're treated, how they're, um, you know, sort of engaged around domestic violence. And if they've been victims of domestic violence, blah, blah, blah. And to me, it's like, kind of what you said about the Rooney rule a couple weeks ago. It's like, hey, why are women being included in the Rooney rule when really we know that black coaches aren't advancing? Like, why focus on that? And this is like, we still have all of these race issues that are not being addressed by the NFL. And now we're going to curve again to look at female employee issues. Um, and not necessarily that the NFL is doing that, but it's just like, are we so worried about everything that we're missing kind of this piece, which is going to affect the majority of players and staff and instead focusing on things like for women. I, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it's just like, there are so many fucking problems in the NFL. Can we not focus on getting the, the biggest one fixed before we start knocking out the next ones? Again, I could just be, being completely insensitive and that's not the way that i mean it this is important yeah. but it's like always sort of changing the narrative changing the conversation to go away from the primary issue which is the racism that is prevalent throughout the nfl association and and and, and what some of our listeners may not be aware of and there was a study out you know um i can't remember the title of the study and this is one of those things where I want Julie and I to get better. Let me just speak for myself. I most certainly want to get better about feeling like I can go to Google. I can research what it is that I'm looking for. You might hear my keyboard clicking and pausing, and then I come back. That's that's one of those things that I want to get better about in, this, in the story, but in, in, in each of our episodes. But there was a story like last June or July, and it talked about how there was a, a particular study that the NFL did, and they categorized black players as being less than smart, intelligent, capable as they entered into the league. So therefore, because they were already at a deficiency, well, certainly at the end of their career, they don't need as much as a white player because they didn't experience as much of a decline. That's basically what they're saying. You know, yeah. their brain is getting rattled around in that helmet their decline in health and cognitive ability and some of the others was not as serious of a decline as that of their white colleagues, white teammates, if you will. So I, I only insert that because of what you just said, but I disagree with you. I okay. believe that we and that NFL and that any other organization should be tackling as many of the issues that are prevalent as possible, tackling those issues at the systemic level and not the topical level, which I mentioned a moment ago. And so if we're going to address in this instance, and I don't think either of us have said it, but the letter cited allegations that women staffers 
were forced to watch a video of the former running back of the Baltimore Ravens right here, Ray Rice, who knocked out his then um, fiance in an elevator. And that video went viral. That video is what, what caused him to be placed out of the league and whatever else came along with that. It happened, you know, some several years ago, probably five or six years ago, if you will. But that video is what these women staffers were forced to watch. And apparently somebody complained. And so now you have six states, um, New York Attorney General Letitia James being one of them. You have six states where the attorney generals sent the letter saying, wait a minute, you got to do a better job. You got to do a better job of protecting the women that are employed in the NFL. Not only were they forced to watch the video, Jay, but they were also asked publicly, had they ever been abused in any way? Okay. Yeah. So that being said, Jay, I think we can um, walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. I think that this is one of those issues where we can look at the disparity around uh, uh, surrounding black head coaches and other blacks in leadership in and throughout the NFL. I think we can look at the health disparities associated with CTE. I think that we can look at the misogynistic, paternalistic um, um, quandary that uh, enveloped too many women. I think we can look at all three of them and probably could look at a couple more at the same damn time. That's the way that I feel. All right. I like it. It'll be um, interesting to watch. To me, it's just the, the dumb shit that the NFL just keeps doing. I mean, why in the holy hell would you ever, as the former employer of Ray Rice, show that video? Like, who in HR thought that was a good idea? Yeah, I just, when I saw the story, I was like, I said, yo, this is like some, some crazy level case studies stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like, I I, li- I mean, I literally st- stood there for a moment, Jay, and I was like, why did they say, what was the thought around this violence is what's going to help women. I, I, I just, I, 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 I can't answer it. Nothing. I can't answer it. Uh, base 10, real quick. Uh, we often talk about, you know, how uh, black and brown founders are underfunded, undercapitalized, how they are shut out of the financial systems. And uh, I want to celebrate a good story because we don't talk about it enough. And so Base 10 becomes the first Black-led VC firm to cross the $1 billion AUM with their new fund. Um, one bill is good. It was founded in 2018. And Base 10 is led by managing partners Adeyemi Ajayo and TJ Nahijian. Nahijian. And that's N-A-H-I. G-I-A-N. Jay, do you ever get mad at me when I'm over here spelling these damn names? Oh, damn, dude. Oh, no, I'm just glad that you're 
spelling that, that I'm not, okay, I'm okay. not doing it. <laughs> okay. 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 Cause you know, that's a military thing for me. I'm like, I'm, I'm always anyway, never mind. So <laughs> any, cross the $1 billion mark, beautiful thing for, um, Adiyeme and for TJ. And I appreciate what they are doing with their brand new fund. So check out base. 10 and that'll do it for small talk this week we'll do a quick commercial break and then jay and i will be right back within a flash the jim stroud podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives brain-to-brain communication robot bosses microchip implants for workers and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now if you want to know what's happening next subscribe now to the jim stroud podcast awesome so in a flash let's talk about technology gone wrong apple's air tags small coin sized tracking devices are being used to stalk and harass women. According to records obtained from eight police departments, women called the police in 50 cases after receiving notifications through their Apple devices that their location was being tracked with an AirTag they did not own. City, led by CEO Jane Frazier, is the sole provider of credit cards used by the chamber to pay for flights, supplies, and other goods. When I say Chamber, political chamber. And some House Republicans are calling for Citi to lose that contract because the company, Citi, has offered to pay for flights for employees seeking an abortion in restrictive states. Go figure. And it looks like some small, small sum, but some are trying to address income inequality. Ownership works supported by more than 60 banks pension funds, and others aims to create a $20 billion in wealth for lower level workers over the next 10 years. Their leadership says this is essential to financially elevating working families, improving racial equity, and creating better alignment among workers, management, and shareholders. $20 billion in wealth for lower level workers. It's nice for us to end on a good note. So when I think about the reasons why people listen to Crazy and the King, sometimes I hope it's just because of silly ass shit that we bring to their attention that gives them a good laugh. Maybe they learn something. Maybe. 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 I hope that you do. But sometimes I think in DEI, we just all need a good laugh. And uh, Kate Bischoff had a couple of fantastic finds on Twitter this week. And if you don't follow Kate, start because you are missing out. She's one of our favorites collectively. I know you can find her on Twitter at Kate, uh, sorry, K, the number eight, B-I-S-C-H. And she's an employment attorney with some common sense. And I didn't know this, I think it might be new, but she has a podcast and it's called The Hostile Work Environment. So Uh, I'm gonna check that out. Hopefully we can have Kate on the show, but I'm gonna guess that it will make me both laugh and cringe and cry. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. So it's called Hostile Work Environment. Okay, love that. Funny story real quick before you tell us what Kate tweeted out. The first time I saw her Twitter handle, I was actually, you know, you know how you clutch your pearls. I actually look, I clutched my little drawstring, drawstring on the hoodie because I said, is this lady calling herself the B word? I really had to like look at it a couple of times. And then I said, all right, I'm so I was real hesitant to like say her name out loud because I didn't want to offend or say like say the wrong thing. But what did she tweet this week? Oh, my God. Now I'm always going to call her. Bish. Uh. <laughs> I'm just saying it was like one of the things like for you, it was probably a year before. And let me tell you, probably the first time I ever said her name out loud is when I interviewed her a couple of years ago. And that interview was the first time that I had ever talked to her live. But when I heard her pronounce her name, I was like, okay, I'm good now. I got it. I got it. So what'd she tweet? Okay. So this first one is a sign is a picture of a sign that was posted on a workplace wall, which actually I learned later was a planet fitness um, in the great state of Kentucky, um, a place, you know, known for bringing out the best in their people. And bourbon. Oh, they, they make good bourbon. Um, and it says, attention, all subordinates, which is a, a, a fantastic way to start. Effective immediately conversing about wages, both off and on duty, is strictly forbidden. If you are heard listening about, or I'm sorry, if you are heard talking about or listening to someone speak about wages, you will be disciplined up to and including your termination. And finally, just as a reminder in the great state of Kentucky that we are an at-will state, which means we can fire you for any reason or no reason at all. Have questions? Call Jer. You know, <laughs> you you got to be... Um, and you know, I had to go to Kate's page right now. Like I'm, 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 I'm actually looking to see if I can find it to see what she might have also put in the comments up under it. I, I'm, I'm scrolling, but it's amazing that here we are in 2022. You have websites like Salary.com, PayScale.com, and others. You have a number of tech people and folks from other industries that are drawing up old school kitchen table Excel spreadsheets, grabbing folks numbers and putting it out there for everybody to see. There is no, you got legislation in states. You got, there is no possible way you can think that you would have an environment where folks are not going to talk openly about compensation. That's what makes it funny because it's so real. That's what makes it so incredibly funny. So it's so incredibly funny. Uh, the, the National Labor Relations Board, the EEOC, um, there are plenty of federal protections out that say we can absolutely talk about what our pay is. And you absolutely cannot, even in the state of Kentucky, um, retaliate against me for disclosing or asking about pay. And expecting that that transparency, and and it's even going to just continue to your point with um, indeed pushing now for um, wage information to be a requirement on job descriptions to be posted there, and so just 
like the silly ass things that people think that they can get away with because they're the boss. And um, the best part, which I didn't even put in here, was that the employees of the Planet Fitness in Kentucky, who I'm just going to give a, a, a little shout out to this week, um, said, hey, Jer, you can't do that. Here's the regulation that says you can't. And by the way, here's what everyone makes. At least of those that wanted to tell us, the rest of your subordinates are out today. Um, yours truly, $10.50 an hour, Jenny. That's right. And posted it back. Um, just like brought it full circle to uh, good old Jer from Planet Fitness. That's right. That's right. That's right. She also tweeted again. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. Kate didn't tweet, but somebody else tweeted. Um, and this one is definitely good. <laughs> this one is a definite good, good find. So, um, you found one from Nithin Kamathan. And how do you, what's the name of the company? Zerota? I think so. Okay. So, Nithin is founder and CEO of Zero. DHA. It's Zero DHA, an Indian-based brokerage firm. And in the tweet, it says, quote, we are running a fun health program at Zerota. Anyone on our team with a BMI less than 25 gets a half-month salary as a bonus. The average BMI on our team is 25.3. And if we can get to less than 24 by August, everyone gets another half month's bonus. It'd be fun to compete with other companies. So how do you feel about getting paid to get healthy? I love the no, idea of getting- Wait a minute, wait a minute. And is that healthy? Because there are a lot of people who take issue with these body mass index scales and all of that. So you're a runner. You're pretty fit. So how did this tweet land with you? So probably different than you, you would expect. So I love, you know, it kind of it brought me back to our conversations about the Edelman Trust barometer. Yep. And employees trust their leaders right now more than anyone else, right? More than the other institutions, more than the NGOs, more than the government. And at least in America, we have a, an obesity crisis that is hurting us. Um, so my initial is like, ew, I know that's a bad idea to do it that way. But how could we, right? better use the organizations that we trust, which are our employers right now, um, to help drive societal change around getting healthy. Now, like this is a complete fail. BMI is a not a good way to evaluate whether you're healthy. It kind of focuses on, you know, that time frame and yo-yo dieting and all that stuff. But at its at its base, I think it's well intended and I would be very interested to hear how we might be able to do that correctly. Yeah, I, I agree with you 1000%. I, I thought, you know, the the essence of what 
he was trying to drive um, that spirit of competitiveness, that collegial becoming healthy or healthier. I think healthier is probably the better characterization. I think that that's something that we we should celebrate. And certainly coming from a community, uh, African-American community, where when we look at some of the health disparities, you know, we have on one side of the conversation challenges with the healthcare system. On another side of the conversation, when you are looking at some of these diseases and categories, um, especially those that are detrimental to us, deadly to us, we are at the top. You know, we are faring the worst, if you will. And I know it's conflicting because some of that is driven by how we are and are not diagnosed or misdiagnosed, mistreated. I get it. I get it. I get it. But there's also some degree of responsibility that we must all take. And how did I start the show? I started the show with, you know, listen, it's cold out here. Like, how does it look for me to stop my run just because I'm cold? Like, I'm out here now, so let's just keep going. And in the end, hopefully it contributes to where I'm trying to go in terms of, you know, a result and being on the journey. So I just kind of smiled because he just didn't word it right. That's all. Yeah. So thanks, Kate, for bringing some entertainment to our listeners today. Don't forget to follow Kate on Twitter and uh, also join me in checking out her new podcast. A couple other really quick notes before we wrap up this week. So some big news from the EEOC um, that they are adding an X to their gender discrimination complaint form. So they'll have female, male, and X um, in that discrimination complaint form, um, just kind of continuing to advance on transgender rights, non-binary rights, um, a lot of which kind of started um, with Bostec versus Clayton County, Georgia, where SCOTUS ruled that employment discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity is illegal under the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, we talked about that. You know, I didn't have a chance to um, do the research, but that had everything to do with an employee at a funeral home. And we we talked about that a couple of years ago. We did. We did. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Um, what's interesting, I think what, what's going to have to be the next step is that while they've made this form, they haven't addressed the EEO one form, which if you're not in that land of compliance, it's basically how you report out your race and gender data. And so they're still only offering female and male on that EEO one form. So we're going to have to see that take the next, uh, next step in the evolution for the EEOC. And we also saw an interesting appointment. This just came out or nomination, excuse me, uh, this week, something else we talked about on crazy and the King a couple of years ago. So the creator of the Hollywood inclusion writer, um, writer, which was basically a legal clause that allows actors to embed um, requirements into their contract with film production studios, stipulating that the studio will guarantee a certain level of diversity for the project. Um, so that woman, um, Kalpana Katajal, K-O-T-A-G-A-L, um, was nominated to the EEOC by uh, President Biden in April. Yeah, the inclusion rider originally came out back in 2018. And just, you know, for clarity, 
or strength of clarity, to Julie's point, the Inclusion Rider talks about hiring in front of as well as behind the camera. And behind the camera is where a lot of the decisions are made. And so certainly that power dynamic sits back there. And we want to make sure that we are being inclusive on both sides of the camera. So a good find there, a good, good find there. So let's take a quick break and then we will do what we need to do to close out this episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Awesome. So our Her Voice segment, which is where we amplify women making moves, we have two this week. Two. Uh, but they are two very strong ones. Number one, Candace Cook-Simmons is now the chief strategy officer for Radical Media. Shout out to uh, Candace Cook-Simmons. Now, listen, for those of you out there listening, I might have said that as if I know Candace Cook-Simmons. Like, you know, we are exchanging text messages back and forth with one another. We are tweeting one another in the DMs. No, it's not like that. It's just... I like the work that she's doing. I like the work that she's done. So Candace Cook-Simmons, Chief Strategy Officer for Radical Media. And this one I really, really like. And I don't know Sarah either, but I wish I did. Sarah Hardy, who is the COO of Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E. It's an infant formula startup that she co-founded in 2019 with a fellow Airbnb alumna, Miss Lori Modi, M-O-D-I. And I'm giving them a shout out because the company actually offers, now now I need you to hear this, the company Bobby, it's a startup, the company Barbie is, Bobby is a startup, and they offer employees four months of paid leave, and an option to take an additional eight months of unpaid leave. Why am I stressing this year? I'm stressing the year because far too often when we talk about benefits and companies doing DNI right and what these companies should be doing, we target our ire to the big companies and we leave the smaller companies kind of off the radar. When in actuality, it's better to start when you're small so that we have this huge problem to deal with when we are at 20,000 employees, 50,000 employees, 100,000 employees. So I love that Bobby, this infant formula startup company is saying, if you are having uh, paternal leave or family leave issues, you can do something lasting up to a year. Shout out to Sarah Hardy, COO of Bobby. Quick mention and resources, Jay. 
Yep. So on Tuesday, April 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be doing a webinar sponsored by our friends over at Broadbean, focusing on managing talent with cognitive and learning disabilities. You can register um, if you go to broadbean.com. You can also check out the link on their LinkedIn, our Facebook page, and my LinkedIn. And that's again on April 19th. And that same week, April 19th, 20th, and 21st, DeanCon 22 is going to be happening in San Diego. You can get the information at DeanCon, D-E-A-M-C-O-N.org. Again, DeanCon.org. Or you can go over on Twitter and follow direct employers and you can get the full agenda. Now, I'm telling you, we are going to make sure we hit San Diego heavy. I'm going to be doing a keynote actually on Wednesday. I think it's like 4.30 uh, Pacific Coast time. I'm going to send them folks to dinner on a natural high. Listen, I close reminding each and every one of you to share the power with your digital tribe and define your voice. Be a better human. Let's create better culture, better teams, better workplaces. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.